This is Life Made Better, a podcast from two coaches with a zest for not only their lives, but yours. In this series, Fleur and Lucia seek out tips, tools, and exercises to inspire you to achieve your dreams and goals. Join us and let's make life better. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Life Made Better. This week, we've got a guest with a very varied background from Denmark to Prague, Zimbabwe, and then London. Mikkel Dissin has been at the front of several companies, leading teams and upscaling businesses since the early 90s. An innovative, passionate entrepreneur who loves leading game-changing businesses and building passionate teams to bring that innovation to market. His passion is to help the world a better place through innovation and technology. He is the founder of Panic Guard. The CEO is his latest venture, which aims to help primarily women in vulnerable situations, such as domestic violence and street attacks, by using the latest smartphone technologies. Thanks for being with us, Miguel, and welcome to Light Made Better. Thank, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm sure our audience would love to hear a bit more about you and what led you to where you are today, if you want to share. Well, uh, I'm not sure the app necessarily wants to hear about me, but uh, but obviously they're welcome to listen. Uh, <laughs> but what can I say? Uh, well, I'm Danish, lived in London for 22 years, married, two kids, all, all the usual package that you're supposed to have when you live in, um, in the suburbia of London, basically. What led me to here today? I mean, the reason why I'm in London is because of love, because I fell in love in Zimbabwe and, and my wife was Zimbabwean and she moved to London and I followed her here. So that's actually why I'm why I'm in London and not because of I pursued any particularly ambitious goals or anything. I just wanted to be where the woman loved was. That's a beautiful goal to pursue, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, uh, I think it's the only true goal, really, to be honest. Oh, oh, and knowing, uh, knowing how passionate you are about business and obviously what a passionate character you are, What's led you today to Panic Guard? Well, I just can't help myself uh, solving problems. I like problems. It's going to sound weird, but I do like problems because then I have something to fix. I like to make everything better. Something I can't go into a restaurant, for instance, and don't, don't think, I think they should rearrange the, the seating a little bit because then I have 20% more uh, inflow and then uh, they should have 3% less of the menu or something like that because then it will increase the profit margin. It's like a disease. I want to do everything better, smarter. I just can't help myself. It's maybe a bit OCD, I guess, but it just just what I do. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a business, or it's a restaurant, or you know, anything. I always look for improvements all the time, and I look for problems that can solve. So I guess that's what led me to where I am today. I mean, Hennigard is my 10th or 11th company I started, I think. Um, and one of the problems I've had, what I've done wrong, and how to look at it. I'm always ahead of the curve. Like for instance, in 96, I had a, in Prague, I started what you can call hotels.com, but it's not the same thing, but it's basically the same thing. The only one who was online was me. Everybody else sent me faxes, and I'm not joking, and bank transfers when they wanted to book a hotel to saw on my, hotel, uh, on my website. And it's a nightmare for being the first sometimes. But uh, that didn't mean it wasn't a good idea. It was just too early, basically. Mm. I'm interested by what you just said in there. It's a nightmare being the first sometimes because we live in a world where kind of like, and I'm not going to say it's fake, but 
you do see quite a lot on internet and, you know, people sort of bragging like, meet the pioneer and then the pioneer kind of makes everything look nice and glittery and shiny. So I'm actually quite interested in hearing, you know, it's not all fun and games. So what doesn't it make it fun and games? Well, the ones you probably think are pioneers, in my view, are not pioneers. Because it's, the, the, it's always like this. The first one through the door, he's the one who gets all the arrows in his back. You know, so so that there are lots of you know, take any pick of any technology. There's other technologies before that that paved the way for the ones that the general public sees as pioneers. It's the ones who can commercialize, who, who are good at commercialization, not necessarily at pioneering. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I think that's often the case, isn't it? Yeah, you'll, it, it's, you'll it's do the hard yeah. yeah, yeah. So surely, though, in this uh, 20 odd years or the last years that you've been doing this, you know, you've obviously made um, businesses out of it now and you've realised that, all right, it might not be the first to come to something, but you can still make a success of things. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm too stubborn to not keep going. You know? <laughs> it's, um, and, that, and a lot of people say that, that when you start businesses, it's good to make money. I actually don't. I really don't. The only thing I would say, I'm not going to let some banking investor person make money out of my hard work. I want to make the money rather than them. It's not because I want to make the money. It's just because I don't want them to make money because I see them as leeches and, and spongers. Mm. That's, that, 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 that's, that's the only motivation. My motivation for starting business is fairly, how should I put it, pure in the sense I just do it because I can and I want to. And then if I make money from it, then that's great. But that's, that, that's not the, the real reason for it, really motivation for me mm. what a brilliant venture though panic guard is to be able to keep women safe yeah i mean it's uh, we can take that as an example so this is many like, 10 years eight years ago now i was uh, driving a babysitter home and uh, when i uh, dropped her off and then i drove, drove back actually through clapham pretty much the same area was wherever it was uh, taken from i saw these women walking home and they looked nervous and scared and i thought why why are they nervous and scared and I said, realized because they're not six foot three, way over 200 pounds, and they're not male. And I thought, I need to do, I need to help them. I saw a problem and I wanted to help. And I realized the you know, machetes and machine guns and hand grenades are out of the question. So, uh, <laughs> so it had to be something else. And therefore, I ended up with an app. Mm. And that app's been very successful. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, we have, I don't can't remember exactly the number, but uh, a couple of million users now, I think. So it's, uh, and the good thing is, I mean, again, uh, it's, it's a profitable venture and so forth. But what I'm most proud of is that I know that for, without any doubt whatsoever, at least three women would have died if they hadn't had this. We helped to put, uh, help get convictions with six or seven domestic abuse cases and, and stalking. So we help women have a higher conviction rate than before. So that, that's really to me that that's what matters is if you make money from it, great. But, Really what matters is, is the purpose of the business and the purpose and the DNA of the business is to help. Mm. So what I'm hearing there, which is something that, you know, you, Mikkel, join us. Uh, we were very lucky to have you in our last Empowered to Thrive course. And actually one of the things that we were talking about there, which we took from Simon Sinek, was discovering the why. And what I'm hearing kind of throughout is understanding why you're building each and every one of, of those businesses that you were constructing and kind of following it through. 
the fact that they were successful or however many houses you were able to get through along the way was actually because you never lost track or lost sight of the reason why you were building all those. Am I right in hearing that? Yes, you're right. Uh, I mean, it can be very easy to lose track sometimes and then lose faith. Faith. That's what they're going to, I want to make clear, <laughs> make very clear that it is definitely not all my business, not all my business that have been successful, that's for sure. Uh, some of them have been uh, epic and very, very, very awesome failures, depending how you look at it. But, you know, it's, uh, I think one of the most important things when you start businesses is the ability to get up every morning and someone punch you in the face, you just get up and next morning and get punched again. You just, you just have to, you have to take a lot of knocks and, just it's like, like like one of those uh, boxing balls when I was a kid. So you know that the, the big in the bottom and small in the top, and you punch it and it goes down and then comes up again, like one of those. Mm. That's what you have to be. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure at times though that can feel too much. I know that, that we've all got our um, our limits. I'm married to an entrepreneur as well, and I know there's been times, you know, like you, he, he does get up every day and keep going with many of the punches. But there's been times when the punches have been too many and he's been out for a few days or a few weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's same, same for me, but thankfully there's something called alcohol that can help me there. Full <laughs> <laughs> disclosure, not that we're endorsing it, every listener to go and get the alcohol binge drinking. No, no, but, no I mean, um, I'm just being honest. I mean, honestly, is that uh, if, if I had a, if you just get too much, I'd just uh, meet some of my friends and and, uh, you know, put, basically that puts a pause button on things, you know, I should be saying I should be eating kale and uh, carrot juice and meditating and things like that, but I don't. So, <laughs> nah, no, nah, no, we're joking. Cause you know, everybody has different approaches and I think that's quite interesting what you're saying there. Cause I think, you know, the fact that you're going to be knocked down at some point, and and I would I would say in business, obviously, but in whatever you do in life, you you're gonna go through those downs. And what I'm hearing is it, that is okay, so long as you get up again. So you can fall seven times, but make sure that you get up eight. Yeah, I mean the thing is, I mean one thing I know about myself, and also when I was in the army, one of the things you learn is that, and it doesn't matter. Uh, how strong you are or how fast you are. What matters is persistency. That, that's what makes you survive. If you're in, in a war situation or in a dangerous situation, you know, bravery and strength and big muscles, that won't actually save you. What will save you is never giving up. Just keep going. Persistency will always win over anything else. I always, when you say that, I always think of the Stockdale paradox. They're keeping that realism at the same time. Yeah. 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 I mean, of course, you have to be realistic about it, but nonetheless, you have to keep the, the moment you stop, that's the moment you start dying. So I think, I mean, I'm being a bit melodramatic here, but you know, no, nonetheless, it's true. You know, you have to keep going. Especially for someone like you whose passion is alive from solving problems, and you know, that it gives you that, I assume, that drive and that motivation. It does. That aliveness. And if you weren't doing those things, I, I, I'm imagining you wouldn't feel so much yourself. Is that right? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's, I think that's very true. Hmm. I'm curious to hear, Mika, because obviously I think you're right. It's, it's, you know, it's that persistence. Is that, okay, don't give up. 
but some people do not feel like you know carrying on so from your point of view or you know from your experience where have you found that strength to carry on what are the things that give you that energy and help you push through even when you may feel like giving up apart from alcohol <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I don't really find it anywhere. It's not I go down to weight growth of same squeeze and, and can I have a, a 10 pounds worth of persistency, please? Uh, it, it, it just, it's just there. I can't really describe it. I just, I, I refuse to give up always. I've always refused to give up no matter what, you know, and that's in everything in life. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, I will always go further than you. I will always persist more than you and, and not like a stubborn little kid who doesn't understand and i know how to i know when to stop of course right i'm not saying i don't know you know like a two-year-old the one that the, the toy bag and just keep going on it's not like that but i will i just know i've all, all, i've always had it the ability to just find that little bit extra somewhere all the time does that come from any childhood programming is that did you have family like that or uh, no, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, if I have to be uh, Freudian about it, I guess, uh, whatever it is. I mean, I'm the oldest of three, and uh, so I, I had to take all the battles with my parents, particularly my dad, on behalf of my siblings. Maybe there, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, it's, it's just always been there. Uh, I've just always been strong in my convictions. That's yeah, fighting spirit. Yeah. And leadership, I'm also hearing, which I guess, you know, helped you further down the line when you started to build all these, uh, you know, different companies. I think, you know, you also experienced that sort of uh, success and leadership when you were very young. At 24, you were already leading a team of 800 people. So how does one do that? Like, you know, how did you, because, you know, people will argue that nowadays when you are in early 20s, you're kind of just starting and I, you know, kind of put it in brackets, starting in life. So how did you know what to do and how to do it? Because 800 people is a very daunting number. <laughs> I honestly, I had no idea what to do and uh, and uh, what what not to do. I just got on with it. I mean, I, I just look at, I look at the, the tasks before me and just like getting, whacking the mold just one at a time, bam, 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 bam. Because if you get too overwhelmed by the task ahead of you, then you just won't do it. It just literally mm-hmm. just one step at a time. Uh, and I mean, for sure, the 24, 800 people, it was an absolute nightmare. And I was scared absolutely shitless. <laughs> I, I mean, it was, it was in Zimbabwe. It was a different culture as well. I didn't know what to do. So uh, it, it was very daunting, for sure. But I thought, okay, they are just people. They're just people like everybody else. There's no, no difference here. They want you to know what is the purpose of what they're doing? What directions should I give them to get to where they're going? And then try to clarify that in more tangible, actionable things. So that's, it could be could very well, but say, we want to go this way. In order to go this way, we need this, these 10 things to be done. And these 10 things are done for this department, that department, that department, and you're responsible for this, da, 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 da. Let's all work together. And that's, that's really what it is. And then uh, I think leadership is around being honest and being uh, sometimes not popular. You have to sometimes do things that people don't agree with, but that's just too bad, you know, because they, they might have a, a, their own agenda, but you have to stay clear to the companies or whatever organizations you work with, the general agenda. I love the couple of nuggets that you gave us there. It was 
It's great. Thank you. Especially, you know, if you've got so many tasks at hand, take one at a time. It's all you can do. And, you know, don't, you sound like you can hold a lot of a stress or a lot of emotional capacity that you have as a person, which is important. But also the fact that you're actually connecting with the people that you're yeah, working I, with. I, I honestly think, I mean, I've worked in lots of different cultures and, and creeds and colors and whatever. And at the end of the day, people are the same. And they, they, they are literally, they, they, there's no... There's no difference between rich or poor or black or white or whatever. It, 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 it's innate inside them. We're all the same. You know, we want the same things and we want to have certain certainties and guidance and help and those sort of things. So it's just, just being honest. You know, if you're honest and generally speaking kind, you get that back. It's just whatever you project reflects back on you. That's how I see it. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Mm. I think it's it's something that, uh, particularly in in the corporate world, sometimes it gets diluted. Um, I remember, like you know, I conducted a, a sort of research when the pandemic was started on what people were, what employees were appreciating from the companies and the people that I spoke to. Pretty much nine out of ten, the first thing that they said was transparency, vulnerability, communication. And the fact that, you know, you were a business leader and you are able to stand in front of your employees and say, look, guys, this is a shit show. I know as much as you do, and we're going to brace this together. Let's just do it. I've got no idea what this means. COVID is, you know, as unknown as it is to me, as it is to you guys, but let's try it together. And I think something that's something that not many business leaders, at least up until that point, have discovered. So the fact that you're bringing it and saying that from very early on, you were just able to say, look, people are people regardless. Let's just treat them as such and understand that within that level of communication, that level of empathy, then we may find that common ground. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Most people can handle the truth. You know? it's, I, don't, I don't believe in leadership that this, this uh, top-down only. I will, I will treat the CEO of a massive company exactly the same as I would do the cleaner. And I, I, I don't kiss kiss ass upwards at all. <laughs> uh, and this also, I mean, some of my customers, uh, the way I speak and the way I conduct myself, it doesn't really always go down well with some of the big corporates because I, I get to the point much quicker. They're like to have 10 meetings about the meetings they just had in order to, uh, to justify their time. And I just don't have patience for that. I just say, okay, I can't go. You, you can have those 10 meetings without me. I'll, I'll go to the one that actually matters. That's an important thing as well, isn't it? If you're going to lead big companies or your time is precious, so you've got to be able to say no to things. But like you said, it's not always, people don't always like that. But I think if you can say no, you can say yes to other more important stuff. So I think that's really important. What I'm hearing as well, though, and I, I know this from many of the entrepreneurs we've worked with and also my husband, you can be good at being kind to others, but you hold yourself to high self, self-worth, self I think maybe, that you keep push, push, pushing. And entrepreneurs are not always good at going, right, this is time to just hold back and, you know, have a break, recharge. Are you good at doing that or not really? I'm rubbish. <laughs> Amazing. I'm absolutely rubbish at that. I mean, I always give myself more than I get back, if that makes sense. 
all the time, all the time. I, I'm very unselfish that way. I, uh, at least I think I am anyway. I, I would rather inconvenience myself than inconvenience you. Mm-hmm. So my belief is, is that's why people that are entrepreneurs need quick fixes to relax, like alcohol. Because if you're always push, push, pushing, there isn't that, because it's timely, isn't it? To, you know, take proper time out every day. And if you really want to be successful, it's hard to give yeah, yeah, time yeah. to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I took a mindfulness course a few years ago, something called the Sharp and Trust. I think I told you about this. And uh, it was great. But then uh, our mindfulness teacher, he said, you should meditate every day. And I, I said, okay, that's great. How long, do you, how long do you meditate a day? He does 45 minutes in the morning. 45 minutes during lunch and 45 minutes before he goes to bed. So that's almost two hours. That is yeah, almost two hours of meditation a day. That's just nuts. You know, no normal person has two hours to meditate every day. You know? Exactly. Do you know the research though? The latest research, the latest re- the science research is uh, 12 minutes actually can make a huge impact on the brain. So, you know, obviously he's really enjoying all those minutes and it's good for him, but actually you can do a lot in 12 minutes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. I mean, I, I've tried meditation. I do the same meditation every time. It's a guided one because then I know when it's going to end. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't have a meditation. Like, I'm just going to sit down and meditate now. And then, uh, and then, then I have to make a decision. Oh, I meditate. I meditate enough now. I can stop now. <laughs> and also, yeah. your, a mind like yours, I would imagine as well, just gets so full up with more ideas and more thoughts. So if you're being guided, then it's easier to stay <laughs> with the guide than at let any space for more thoughts and more <laughs> problem solving. Yeah, but also, I mean, how do you know when to stop? If you just meditate, I mean, when do you stop? You know, when, when are you fully meditated? When when you're you're tank full? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> It's tricky, but what I'm like hearing, Miko, is the fact that somebody presents something to you that you may not be inclined to do it at first, but yet you give it a go. And the other thing that I am hearing, which I think is worth pointing out, is the fact that you try it and you try different things until you find the one that works for you. And I think that's something that not many people do, like, you know, you try that meditation, then you've got this expert and tells you you need to meditate almost two hours a day. Some of the people might have run away and say like, yeah, this is not for me. I'm turning around. Tried meditation, didn't work. But what you did was actually finding the one that worked for you for the reasons that you explained. But you tried something different until you found something that worked for you. I mean, mean, I've, I try always to not eat the same food. I go to the different restaurants, and because say if, if I if I try some food foods I never tried before, then I learn something. I, I don't understand why people go to the same place and have the same food every time, or go for holiday at the same place. Because then I haven't expanded myself. And also, I've always found if, if everybody's running to the left for some reason, I'll go to the right. So I'll, I'll see where they're running away from. Mm. I've always, if, mm. if everybody goes, if everybody goes that way, I'll, I'll go the opposite way just to see what the what's going on. Yeah, I like hearing just how well you know yourself as well. Though there's so many times that you're talking here, I'm thinking, "Come on, Macau really knows himself. He's very self-aware of who he is," and I think that's really important. I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that uh, sentiment. <laughs> I, I just. But, you know, if you think so, thank you, of course. But, uh, you know, 
it's uh, I guess all relative. It does take a certain level of of knowing to at least understand what you do and how you do it. I would say. <laughs> yeah. I remember yeah. on the course. Yeah, I remember on the course you saying um, quite meditative for you was swimming. Yes, I still do, I still do that a lot, and the reason why I like it because it's boring. <laughs> but honestly, that that's why I like it because there's nothing else to do. There's nothing to look at. Nobody talked to, no music, nothing. It just back and forth. And then... Uh, actually, though, it does um, tie into some new uh, neuroscience research that I've been reading about um, rhythm and how the rhythm can get you back into that centre and your peaceful space. Because I find swimming really hard because there's nothing to do, but I can meditate bizarrely. So I find it interesting how we're all so different. I mean, actually, on another note, I mean, in regards to sports, for instance, I've never enjoyed team sports. I mean, I like the camaraderie and things like that around team sports, but I've never enjoyed team sports simply because the only sports I've enjoyed, like something like swimming, which I was pretty good at, golf, tennis, things like where you are responsible yourself. Because if I play, I tried team sports, football, rugby, and so forth, but I couldn't, if I didn't perform well with a team one, I couldn't take joy in that in the win because I didn't feel I'd done my best. If, if I'd done my best in the team one, then I cu- couldn't take joy in that either. I would only take joy in, if I did my best and we won. I, I really like to be responsible for everything I do, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm hearing again there that being quite tough on yourself. Yeah. You have a bad day. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if I didn't do my best for the team, then I didn't do well. And then it doesn't really matter. But the team won for me. Hard way to live, though, I think, having that pressure. You've got to always be your best and be responsible for others. It's. I didn't say it was my preferred way to do it, but that's just how it is. <laughs> yeah. Mikhail, what are you currently curious about? Is there any new adventures ahead? Well, I'm curious about where, what my uh, children are going to be when uh, they're teenagers. I'm really curious about how they're going to be young adults and adults and how that's going to play out. Because uh, obviously my, my sphere of, of influence is becoming less and less and less and less. So I'm, I'm very curious if I put them on the right path. That's one thing. Uh, you asked if I was sending you adventures ahead. I have, well, depending on what you find the adventures. I mean, uh, I'm hoping to start a few other businesses in, uh, uh, in, in, in a completely different field. So that's interesting. Also, if, if I'm a little bit lucky, uh, I'm going to take a year off and just go dri- driving from uh, from here to China and then China down to to Cape Town and then back again. That's that's an event I'm hoping to do. Wow. That sounds amazing. Please start a blog and document it so we can follow. I never <laughs> do that. I, I don't do that. I, I don't do I know that you would it. I know I you would it. You would be brilliant on a video though. I don't do social media at all. I have absolutely no interest in knowing what you had for dinner or or uh, where you were on holiday. In the old days, torture was defined as you go to dinner at someone's house and then they have a slideshow. And this and then uh, from Spain, so, oh, this is my wife on the donkey. That was literally the definition of torture. This is now legalized in Facebook and things like that. So I just, I honestly don't give a flying monkeys about uh, those things. I don't care. And, and I don't want you to know what I'm doing either. <laughs> I'm loving that definition of social media, you know, Mikkel. It really puts it 
uh, kind of to the ground in perspective because for a lot of people and especially for teenagers in particular we've been seeing social media being one of the most damaging things particularly through the pandemic because that's the device or the platform that many people use to to brag or pre- perhaps present a part of life that is not true and the fact that you're actually saying hey look i've got no interest in in seeing what you're doing i've got no interest in you seeing what i'm doing i just want to do it i think that that really breaks it down <laughs> yeah i mean that's it i mean and what what do you honestly care if some of your friends took a picture of some lunch they had yesterday and then you're supposed to like it i mean i don't really care when i don't care <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a restaurant you've never been to, though, and then now you're aware of it, and you can go there and try it for yourself. <laughs> well, then they can call me and tell me about it. I mean, I, I've, I've, honestly, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think I've ever been on Facebook. I don't think, or or Instagram. I don't, I don't think I've ever been on any of them. I really, really, truly don't care. And what about mm. your children? Are they on there? Uh, they're definitely TikToking, that's for sure. <laughs> but um, you're not no. tempted then to go on TikTok. <laughs> No, not at all. Mm-hmm. I, I I have enough stuff to to fill my life with uh, than other people's lives. You know? Yeah, I don't care about celebrities. I don't. I, I just don't care. I, I don't care. I care about my family and my near friends and how they're doing, and that's it. Mm. Staying on your lane is what I'm hearing. What well, What is the one question, Macau, you wish we had asked you that we haven't? Well, you sort of asked this as well, but the question would be, what is the downside of being an entrepreneur? Because people think entrepreneurs is, you know, is at least to some extent, on a pedestal. It's like, oh, this is fantastic. We should all aspire to be that sort of thing. But uh, I think there's a lot of downsides to it as well. Uh, it's, 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 it can be lonely. It's definitely hard work. It's not always rewarding as, as some people think it is. Uh, and it's also pretty, what I would say, emotionally draining. It would be a lot easier, I think, at least, not that I've ever really had a real job, to be honest, to have a job. Because then you, you go to work and you, 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 you put tools down, say it's five o'clock, I go home, I'm boom, done. You know? And then I start again tomorrow. When you're an entrepreneur, it, the clock never stops. It's always on. Always. Yeah. And, I was and that's really me. not good. It's hard, yeah. I was wondering how you get that balance as well between family life and being an entrepreneur because I know that that's tricky. It's very, very tricky. I mean, that, that's an absolute downside is that tools are never down. I mean, you, you, I could be on the most beautiful beach or walking in a mountain or forest or something and like, oh yeah, oof, I need to do this, I need to do that and set up that meeting and do blah, blah, blah. All those sort of things. You just, it's just almost impossible to switch off because there's always... Everything is your problem. And you know, when you're the founder of the company, it doesn't matter how big or small, it's your problem. Mm. So how did you get that balance, Miko? How do you manage to get a bit of like, you know, downtime or clocking off time, if you wish, to try and give back to yourself and your family? I didn't say I had any balance. <laughs> <laughs> true, um, true. Uh, I don't think I have balance or, well, not enough balance. I need to be better at that. That's definitely for sure. I, I don't think I can say I have, I have balance. I wouldn't say that. Uh, that's That would be incorrect of me to say that. Mm. What you're working on. <laughs> yeah, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm work, yeah, it's, it's a work in progress and all this other stuff. <laughs> but uh, I, mean, I, I definitely don't have balance. That's uh, 
you know you you like solving problems that needs to be one of your problem solving yeah well the problem is that I am the problem so (laughs) I love your honesty (laughs) so Mikhail Uh, can you sum up in one sentence how you have made your life better well I would say I've been true to myself come what may and been honest all the time but being so brutally honest and I do mean brutally honest means that people know who you are and they know exactly where they have you. So there's no ambiguity. Mm. Yeah. I imagine that means you have the real people in your life that really do care about you. Yeah, and vice versa. There's no uh, filters, if you like. My real friends are my real friends, and they'll always be my real friends, rather than something that just, we pretend to be friends kind of thing. It's just, uh, and, you know, honesty has a price. You know, it's... uh, I, I could do a lot more things if I was less honest. Less, that doesn't mean I'm being dishonest, but being less uh, forthcoming with the truth, let's say. Mm. Yeah. But I, I, I just refuse to change them. I just refuse to to play the game of being being polite and uh, you know pretending things are different. So. Yeah. Being true to yourself. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. <laughs> Be you. Do you. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's it. You know, it, it's just, and it, it, it's very hard to be honest. You have to listen to your gut feeling, right? And it, that's really hard. It sounds easy, but it's, you know, I, I, to be honest, I pretty much stopped thinking anymore. I, I just act. If my gut feeling says go right, I go right. If it says go left, I go left. You know, I just, this thing about sitting and analyzing things and blah, 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 it's just a waste of time. Mm. You can overthink totally. All the time. Mm-hmm. Thinking is yeah. overrated. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm much more the type of person that goes with my gut. <laughs> As <laughs> will tell you, <laughs> I'm slightly impulsive. <laughs> yeah, I'm slightly I'm overthinking. That's what we'll offer you too. <laughs> yeah, just basically stop thinking and just act. That's it. That's what I would yeah. say. No, but I do think that you, you, you are, you do hold some truth in there that a lot of people think and overthink, and we are just simply not used to listening to ourselves and listening to our hearts and uh, guts. Sorry, and it does take some getting used to and and some trusting yourself to be able to get there. So thank you for sharing that. I think is it's a piece of information or a nugget that definitely can help change things around how different things would be if we learn to listen to ourselves a bit more than we and do what, what i would also say is i don't really worry about things uh because one of my friends he once said Wor- worry is like paying interest in advance you just wouldn't do it <laughs> because when you worry about something it hasn't happened yet so what's the point in worrying just you know uh, whatever it is in your life i just don't worry about stuff because yeah. it's just uh, it's just pointless, you know. Mm. I love that. Thank you, Miko. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you with us and talking to you again. Thank you for sharing and and being so open and vulnerable with us all. It's been a very interesting conversation. Thank you. Likewise. <laughs>
And to all of you listening to us and joining us one more week, thank you very much for doing so. Please continue to do it. Please continue to share the love, leave us a review, share the episodes with anybody you think may benefit from listening to it. Please do subscribe in whichever platform that you listen to so you're alerted when the next episode goes up. And we thank you for having joined us. We look forward to seeing you here next week and have a lovely time. Have a lovely Christmas. And, you know, may we say, bring on 2022. Thank you, everybody. (laughs) 